hardship no more struggle no more challenges no more battle because there comes a time where you need to rest from your battle and God said after today you shall rest from your battle the battle of your marriage the battle of your business the battle of your finances the battle of your sickness the battle of your shame the battle of your disgrace the battle of your setback the battle of the pains you don't want to forget God said you will rest from your battle And now, today's message with God's servant, Reverend Ismaila Audu, Head Pastor, ICGC Yawa Temple, East Ligon. Open your Bibles with me to the book of First Samuel chapter 1. I'm reading the whole of First Samuel chapter 1. Then now there was a, a certain man of Raphael Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Anna and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children, but Anna had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all his sons and daughters. But to Anna, he would give a double portion. For he loved Anna. Although the Lord had closed the womb, and the rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed the womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Then her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in a bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your man maid servant and remember me and not forget your maid servant, I will give your maid servant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched a mouth. Now Hannah, has spoke, Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maid servant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maid servant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Anna, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Anna conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord a yearly sacrifice and vow. But Anna did not go up. 
For she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah and husband, Elkanah, her husband said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. 24. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bulls, one ever of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. We have not gathered at the feet of men, but we have gathered at your feet to hear your word. We pray for illumination. We pray for understanding. We pray for liberty of your word. We pray for the truth of your word. Let your word impact our life and let your word bring transformation. In the mighty name of Jesus, we stay off any spirit of power that will try to interfere with your word and the receptivity of your people. We cancel it and we subject it that it has failed. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare clarity to your word. We come against this any spirit that will try to confuse your word. We declare opening and understanding. Let your word bring life today and may it be established for this purpose for which it is sent forth. In Jesus name. I thank you for setting me apart to declare your word, Holy Spirit. That this is a clear of mine. And let your word come with power, with understanding, with precision. In Jesus' name, amen. In the olden days, or in the Old Testament times, the children of God were set apart by God to himself. So Israel was there, and God decided to pick Israel and make Israel his own. So Israel was more like the property of God. So God kept Israel to himself through his covenant with Abraham, through Isaac, and through Jacob. So every time God appears on the scene to the children of Israel, either in any challenge, he will remind them of his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. You will realize that Jacob, after his fight or struggle with the angel, after he's about to meet his brother Esau, he rested with the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord, by the wrestling, was leaving him, and he said, he will not allow him to go, until he has blessed him. And he said, what is your name? He asked the angel, and he said, you don't need to mind my name. So he asked Jacob, what's your name? Jacob said, my name is Jacob. And he said, from now on, your name shall not be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and man, and has prevailed. From that time, Jacob's name was changed from Jacob, which is a supplanter, a cheat, a struggler, a 419 person, or whatever you can call him, to Israel, which is praise with God, or favor with God. Are you understand? So it became the covenant name of Jacob. The covenant name of Jacob was upon him. That he began to move from there, began to do exploit. His brother that he was afraid of to attack him, now came to make peace with him. Going forward, you realize that he gave birth to 12 children. Actually, his children number is 13. He had Four wives. Four wives in the sense that he has two legitimate wives that he married. He went in to marry the one he loved first. He didn't intend to marry four. Circumstances can push you to certain things. But that was not his intention. He went in only for one. But the one that he loved that he went in, it didn't work out for him. He served labor for seven years. And after seven years, he was intending to have 
the right woman that he met by the world that he fell in love with. But it didn't happen. Which is Rachel. Or Rahel. As some of you will call depend upon who taught you. Then in the night he was presented with Leah. The first daughter. He woke up the next morning. Thought he has Rachel. And not though it was Leah standing lying by his side. You have to be careful what you do at the midnight hour. Because you might pick something you didn't know you had picked. Hallelujah. Many people married in the night. So in the morning before they saw the woman or the man they have married. And now they have no choice. It is sticking with you. You just have to believe God to have grace. Abraham did his own divorce. But he stood in. And he went again and said, no, this is what not I asked. Laban said, well, this is the rule. The first daughter is given first. So now if you still insist you want the last daughter... Then you have to serve another seven years. The guy served again. So 14 solid years he served. And made sure he got his wife. After he has gotten his wife, he loved that one more, that is Ryan more than Leah. But God opened the womb of Leah and Leah started giving birth like that. And Rachel was there. To cut a long story short, Rachel only managed to have two children, which is Joseph and who? Benjamin. Benjamin was known as Benoni because when Rachel was giving birth to him, Benjamin's mother, which is Leah, Rachel died. And when Rachel died, the next name, the child Benoni, which is pain, tragedy. And Jacob said, I can't keep tragedy in my home, so I'll change the name to Benjamin, which is the right hand of God. Anytime he sees Benjamin, he sees authority, he sees strength, he sees power. Because names are very, very important for inspiration for victory, for position, for, for, for overcoming. You don't just name. Most of you, when I ask what is the meaning of your name, you don't even know. Because you start saw somebody in any soap opera, it's called whatever name, you also name yourself with it. You don't know whether that name is a marine name, it's an occultic name, it's whatever name. They just name, do you take it? Amen. If you come to even Africa, names we give in Africa have significance. It has meanings. When you study African traditional religion or culture, you will understand. When you see a typical guy who has marks on whatever it is, the name they give to him has a meaning. It is not just a name. Are you there with me? When, when you go to the Votarians, the Nordness, and everybody, names that you have, have a meaning. How many of you give birth to your children and you even fast and pray for God to give you the name which is are in agreement with the destiny of the child. You just saw somebody's name, nice name, you place it on your child. Bam! The child grows up and starting having problems. You just admire someone because the person, the way the person walks, the way the person sings, the way the person behaves, said, I want this name. This name is nice. And then you place it on your child. Your child has started having problems and you say, uh, Pastor, help me cast out this demon. Let me do this. When Jacob had that name, Israel, he sacrificed. You just take anything upon yourself. And now you begin to fight it. Because everyone in the realm of the spirit will answer by our name. And I'll get, I'll get there with the scripture I just read for you to see the importance of what we are talking about. You joke nowadays. Nowadays we joke. Your child, your daughter begin to behave funny and all those things and you don't know why it is like that and you have problems, you are running around everywhere. Nobody did it. You did it. 
do you understand the name you gave your child? If you are very observant, you know there are certain names that is associated with some people and you can see the character trait like that. I don't want to be mentioning some names. No matter who they are, you will find that trait with them. Your character and attitude is synonymous to the name that is upon your life. So Israel, prince with God, God now adopted them as his own. So the 12 children, reached out to Leah gave birth to Sam, and then the mates, the two mates of both Leah and Rachel were also given to Jacob. They started competing. So if my mate goes, you also go. The man said, fine. Amen. Those days women can be powerful too. Still they are powerful. He didn't want it, but he found himself in the situation. Out of them, he had 12 children. But one lady called Dinah, who was the 13th child. But in those days, women are not counted. It is men that are counted. That is the tradition of the Far East. Now, in the midst of all this, Jacob now moves and God established his covenant as he has promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He said, your children shall be a slave in another country, blah, blah, blah. But I will go in and deliver them with a mighty hand. So in Exodus, God comes on the scene. Moses was born without knowing assignment. And God said, hey, I made a vow somewhere. So you need to fulfill that vow. And all of us sitting down under the sound of my voice, you are an answer to a prophecy. Anytime anyone is born onto this earth, God allowed that person to be born because there is an assignment to be fulfilled. But because sometimes we don't know of it, we live our life anyhow and we think we don't matter. Let me tell you something, your life matters. Because you are an answer to somebody's situation. Moses comes on the scene and he thought he was just picked out of water and there is nothing with him. And God said, hey, I have an assignment for you. So God appeared to him and triggered an assignment in his heart. He went out, saw an Hebrew and Egyptian fighting, he killed. He thought it's by his own strength he would do it. Listen, but assignment of God upon our life, it is not by our strength. All that we need is to align with the will of God for God to fulfill his assignment in our life. You don't need to manufacture your promotion. You don't need to undermine your lifting up. You don't need to find ways or or trick means to become rich overnight. You don't need to manipulate to get things done. When the Lord has said it, all that you need to do is to obey the word of the Lord and be faithful to his name and walk in his will for your life. And all the things he said concerning you fall in place. Moses thought he can do it by his strength and he failed. The people came attacking. The peasant boy is supposed to deliver attacking. He ran away. And then now God sent me back to the place. Don't forget that anytime you, are run, you run away from your assignment, God will bring you back to your assignment. Until you accept your assignment, you will not be fulfilling life. A lot of people are walking in life today that are not happy. You are not happy be, not because you don't have food to eat or clothes to wear or where to sleep. You are not happy because you are not fulfilling your assignment. You see, it is our assignment that gives us fulfillment and joy. It is not the money. Are you there with me? The money is an addition. It's a surplus. But when you see, when you, you know your assignment, you are at peace with yourself. You are not intimidated by any competition. You are not afraid of who comes or who does not come. When you know your assignment, you always have self-motivation and not external motivation to do this. When you know your assignment, you don't wait for anyone to tell you. You get up and you do it. 
when you know this is your assignment, you have some kind of strength, even when you are tired. Once you hear of it, you are rejuvenated again to begin to work. When you know your assignment, you are always excited to perform that task. But when you don't know your assignment, you be glad, you always complain, you will mama, you give excuses, you will drag your feet, you will give all that, because the thing is that you don't really know why you are doing what you are doing. Moses initially tried to complain, but when he knew his assignment, he stood for his assignment. Then God established his perfect covenant as he has spoken to Abraham. So Israel became the property of God. Say the property of God. Then Moses began with them on what we we call the Mosaic law. That is the law of Moses, which is the covenant grace of Moses, with God with Moses over the period. Took Israel out of captivity, take them to the promised land. Out of it, we have the five books of Moses, which the Hebrews call it the Torah. Amen. But the five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Are you getting me? They are there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, all of those are the five books. Now, he gave him the five books to become something like something to guide his own peculiar people, the children of Israel. It is not because there are not any other nations. There are other nations. But he chose Israel for himself so that he will use them as a model. I've preached this before. As a model and a prototype of what is expecting all humanity to become. So every time he's working on them, Eden, it does not mean that there is no existence on earth. Eden simply means in Hebrew as a spot, a place. So, East Legon is a place within Accra. To your information, you and I should know by now that when we talk of Legon, Legon is the hill of knowledge. So, we are in the east of the hill of knowledge. So, Eden is a spot. But it's a spot where God was nurturing is prototype. It's just like a scientist or a manufacturer or somebody who wants to bring out a product. He takes it first to the laboratory, works on it, does the research and everything and does everything and finally becomes a finished product before he brings it to the market. So God was working on us. That is why when man failed, the tree of life was protected. Because if man should have reached out to touch that tree of life, then the agenda of God would have been aborted permanently. And the devil knows that, no, this is what God is doing. If I allow God to finish it, then I will not have a place again. So he truncated the process. And from that time till now, the salvation process was triggered by God. That is why God will always want you and I to evangelize to somebody and win him. Evangelize and win him. Evangelize and win him. That is the only way he can use now to temporarily solve the challenging problem. Then eventually he comes as Christ again to rapture the church and deal with the weeds and then he will establish his kingdom and this time everything will be perfect. So until he comes, we still need to pray. We still need to fast. We need still need to win souls. We still need to evangelize because we are also preparing a peculiar people and symbolically Moses bringing Israel out of captivity is winning somebody out of the world into salvation. Taking the person out of darkness into light. And when that happens, God accepts you as his own. First Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does it mean? It means that now we have become the Israelites of God. Paul says that we have been engrafted, according to Romans. So we are now become, though naturally we are not, we are called the Gentiles, who have been 
what do you call it? Ostracized from the covenant, but by grace, we have been connected to the covenant. So now you and I are what we call spiritual Israelites. And by that, we also have the same benefits and privileges that a Jew should have had. Hello. So a Jew enters into a place without money in his pocket, but that Jew knows that he's a descendant of Abraham. And give that Jew a short time, that Jew will prosper. And in Galatians 3, Bible says that we are children of Abraham by covenant. Because the curse has been broken. Are you there with me? By that we have the blessings of what? Abraham. So which means that by extension, you and I, we have to work with a certain mindset. That anywhere we enter, the Jew believes that Bible says that his God, Yahweh, tells him that wherever his fish are tread, he shall possess. So when a Jew enters into Germany, into London, into US, into Ghana, into everything he knows, he's ruling. Listen, after the Holocaust, the Nazis dealt with thousands of Jews just to estimate them, but it didn't work. In the US or whatever, in any advanced country, there might be few Jews, but they were the ones who control things. And they have a lot of money. That is the essence of what God wants to paint to you and I. Though they are still believing to come to terms with, with Christ coming and saving, because to them, they are still waiting for the Messiah. But we know that he came and he died for us. We have received him. So now have him in our heart that we are supposed to be his children. Why am I sharing all this? I'm linking it to my scripture. So in those days, what happens is that before you will serve God, there is a spot. And God through his servant told them that anytime you get to a place and you decide that this place is where we are going to serve God, raise an altar. And travel from wherever you are. If you are in Tamale, Boga, Nampanduri, German, wherever you are. Travel to that place and come and worship your God. Because that is where his presence is. That is where the Ark of the Covenant is. But in the New Testament, I'm trying to work through this out. In the New Testament, the Ark of the Covenant is in us. We are the Ark of the Covenant. So the presence of the Lord... Is present whenever we gather. We are the garden. Hebrews tells us. He said we have come to the assembly. And the company of believers. Where angels are. And we have not come to the mountain. Where there is thundering and lightning. That we cannot see the face of God or touch. But we have come to the commonwealth of Christ. So our gathering now. Is a gathering of. Ambassadors. Gathering of. Covenants, gathering of men and women who carries the presence of God. So when we gather, we have gathered with the full force of God's army and power. So the altar is raised as the highest level of everything to be symbolic that this is where it's the covenant area of attachment where we connect and we flow. Are you there with me? So the secret is this. If you get up this morning and you go into your room and you decide that this is the corner where I will pray in, you have raised an altar. So God meets you there. 
If it is your loo that you want to meet God, God comes into that place. And that is where? Because you have made that place sacred unto yourself. But in the ordinary, they need to travel and congregate at one place before they can do anything they have to do. But in the New Testament, we can, anywhere we are, because we are the carriers of his presence, anywhere we stand is a holy ground. Anywhere you and I stand, we are what? The place is a holy ground. So when you enter into a place, by the anointing of the covenant upon your life, you sanctify that place. You take over that place. Because wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is why scripture says the angels of the Lord encamp around the righteous. Because in the presence of God, the angels are there. Revelation chapter 12, the throne is there and the angels, the 24 elders are there. So anywhere you and I get to as the ark of the covenant of the New Testament, believer, angels are supposed to be around us. So when we talk of the God of Shiloh, the God of Shiloh is the God that we have come to serve. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The I am that I am. The possessor of all things. But you see, you cannot benefit from him until you understand him. And how can you understand him? The only way is to follow his word. The issue here is that I hear people say that you cannot understand. Yes, you cannot. But let me tell you something. If you want to follow somebody and don't know where the person is going, how can you follow the person? If he said we are serving God and we don't understand God, then why can, how can we understand? How can we serve him? But he's made himself real from his word. And it is in his word that we will know him. Hello? So Shiloh is a covenant name. Hallelujah. Out of it, you can get your shalom, your peace, your whatever. Shiloh is a covenant name. It's a name that God place in a place of honor for himself. So Israel named Shiloh and had their high priest called Eli in Shiloh. And the Ark of the Covenant is in Shiloh. Which means the possessor. The owner. The controller. So there is God that controls your life. There is a God that possesses your life. You belong to someone and it's called Yahweh. You belong to someone and it's called I am that I am. You belong to someone and it's called Jehovah Nisi. You belong to someone and it's called Jehovah Jireh. You belong to someone and it's called Jehovah Elohim. You belong to someone who is your provider. You belong to someone who is your Jehovah Sabbath. You belong to someone who is your Jehovah God of hosts. God of love, God of power. Thank you for listening. This is a message from ICGC Yahweh Temple, East Lagon. We know you've been blessed by God's Word. For more practical teachings from Reverend Ismaila Awudu, visit us online at www.icgceastlagon.com or email yawatempleicgc@gmail.com. Do contact us on 57 
or 057-226-0434. Worship with us on Sundays, Maximum Life Service, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Tuesdays, Masterclass Service, 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Fridays, Breakthrough Service from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Oh, I'm coming. No greater. 